Ciao, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Jallo Chow Chow, the all Jallo show. <laughs> it sure um, is. Yeah, it sure is. Guys, um, guys, we got to be quiet because it's it's midnight and I'm trying to walk through the house. Oh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of midnight walking going on on mm, this movie. No, it's uh-huh. al- it's almost all during the day, isn't it? Yeah, there were a couple. She she ran from a bar into a taxi, but her running is quite. Her running is the greatest like part of the whole movie. It's got to be. Yeah. Run, running with a purse. Always with a purse. Yeah. And She's, not a hair out of place. Well, it depends on what wig she has on. <laughs> oh yes. And and does anyone know what episode this is? You gotta get it one of these times, don't you? I mean, it's just by chance. You just gotta throw out a number. Thirty-four. I believe it's thirty-three, man. Fuck. Come on. Okay. Yeah, I want to get through this. I want to get through these as fast as you do too, but it's you can't fight facts. All right. Unless we want to be like Goldberg and just all of a sudden say we did like twenty-seven episodes. That's right. Yeah. And they're all out of print. (laughs) Oh, that was sweet like honey. Was that a wrestling reference? Yeah. How did I guess? Or football reference. But more more wrestling reference. Possibly a Jewish reference. Let's let's just say historical (laughs) reference. There you go. All right. So, um... In the world of Jallo this week, things happened and people witnessed things. (laughs) One of those incidents happened in New York. Ah, yes. During WrestleMania. Right, (laughs) and that's where the conflict of interest begins. Oh, yeah. Sure. Because... How do you uh, choose? I I don't... The daddy of them all. Yeah. Hard to choose. 
Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, uh, Creep is right. This is Chris from Jalo Score, by the way, in case you didn't recognize my voice. <clears throat> um, so I just wanted to uh, give a quick um, recap. Not much of a recap, because I really only went to one day of the festival, but... Um, Loser. I had a great time, and I was really on the fence, because I got to about... Wednesday or Thursday and I started thinking about how much travel time was involved to watch two films that I'd seen at least 10 times each um, and I started to kind of second-guess my decision to go and all the lack of sleep I was going to be de dealing with the next day and I was on the f I, I was very close to just saying forget it but then um, but you said fuck you body I'm yeah. doing it well I changed my mind partly because my wife had cleared her entire working schedule so I could go. So if I had stayed home, she would have been pretty pissed at me. Um, but anyway, yes, so it was, let's see, from the moment that I left my house in the suburbs of Philadelphia to the moment that I got back to my house in the suburbs of Pen uh, Philadelphia, it was about 10 hours uh, from door to door. <laughs> so um, I drove about a half an hour to the train in New Jersey the train in New Jersey took about an hour and ten, um, and then I took a subway down to um, the. I'm gonna. I'm trying to remember which area of of Manhattan. It's definitely Lower Manhattan. It's not Soho. I think it's the Bowery is what they refer to it as. It's not Chelsea, um, but uh, it wasn't hard to get to. I just hopped on a, a subway and I got down there and I walked a couple of blocks and I was there. And I have to say, like. For people who haven't ever been to Manhattan, um, or maybe have only been there once or twice for some, you know, some touristy type things, I work in a major metropolitan area in Philadelphia, so I'm on the trains and I'm on the subways every day. And when I got to New York, I felt like I was from the Midwest. It was like, wow, this, hey, but... this is uh, sorry, no, the present <laughs> company excluded here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you. <laughs> um, I really like was. Totally. I, every time I go, I'm flabbergasted by how humongous the city is. Anyway, so that doesn't really have anything to do with Jalo. So I got down there and um, I got my tickets and I went in and uh, watched Torso, which was a decent print. Um, uh, maybe it was a little less than decent. I think it really showed its age. It was totally watchable, but it was washed out. You know, uh, the colors weren't very vivid. Did the movie look as old as Susie Kendall looks in Orgasmo? Um, I don't know. That's low, man. Because I don't <laughs> remember. Or, what's Orgasmo? Is that? Don't uh, worry about it. I'm sorry. Is that Spasmo? Just, you mean or? Yeah, wasn't I she was in... just, it was Spasmo. Yeah, oh, I was okay. just picking on her um, face and the lines in it. Well, she doesn't really look that good in Torso either. Like, yeah, she, she, she kind of hit the wall after Bird with the Crystal Plumage, but. Um, but Torso was um, entertaining. I really kind of tried to put myself in the shoes of somebody at an American um, drive-in movie, like uh, a midnight drive-in thing, because I think that was the, the print that they got. Um, it, it opened up with, believe it or not, you know, if you're familiar with Torso, it opens up with the, the shutter, the camera shutter, and like the orgy, or the, the two girls and the guy, and they're having sex, and there's... Um, subtitles talking about the art critic. Um, well, this was completely different. It was like they sw they started the film 
the same way the American trailer with the, with the torso, um, they started the film the exact same way, where they're out in the forest and uh, the guy with the mask on is there, and then they showed a couple of other scenes, and then all of a sudden, the logo comes on the screen and then the movie starts. So it was kind of jarring, because at first I was like, well, oh, they're showing the trailer first before the film starts. Hopefully that means that the film looks better than this. But unfortunately, it, it, never, it, not, it never got any better. Um, and so um, some of the gore was um, a little bit censored. I don't know if you guys um, remember the scene where the, the scarf salesman gets run down by the car. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in the uncut version, he gets kind of slammed into the wall a few times. Um, so that was cut out. And I think there was a few scenes where the, the killer was, you know, sawing up the pieces and stuff. I think they, they cut a bunch of that out too. But, um, the audience was great because it was a mix of either people who had seen the films before or people who had never seen them. And they were like, it was kind of like, you know, the, the people who had seen them a million times were bringing their friends who had never seen them kind of as like a initiation type of thing. And there's a scene in Torso where, it's one of my favorite scenes in most of the Jallos I've seen, Jolly, uh, and it's where Susie Kendall um, character, she slips the newspaper under the door to try to get the key. And um, the key actually falls past where the newspaper is, but then all of a sudden you see the killer's hand come out, grab the key, and put it on the newspaper to make her think that she had gotten it. Um, and at that moment, like half the audience just gasped. So they were like really into it. So I thought that was cool. Um, so that was Torso. And then uh, in between Torso and um, the Four Flies feature, um, I ran into uh, one of our um, Facebook group people, uh, Brian, who is uh, who came in from uh, Detroit, believe it or not, for the festival, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he probably flew in on a Thursday and uh, was there for the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday movies, and then uh, flew back on a Monday. Um, so I got to spend some time talking with him before Four Flies, and then um, we actually went out and grabbed a drink after that, after Four Flies was over. Um, but super cool guy, um, really into the show, so I appreciate um, him um, being into listening to us babble on, and, uh, and like I said, really nice guy, knows his stuff, and really into films, and, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see people on different journeys of watching the films in this genre. Um, you know, there are some films that everybody has seen, and there are a few that are like, oh, I, you know, they're obscure, but I've seen them. Um, and then there are other ones that are like considered mainstream that people just never saw either because they weren't available or because they just didn't get around to it. So, um, and I think for him that was, um, uh, on Sunday they had the short night of glass dolls, which I don't think he'd ever seen before. But um, not to jump ahead, Four Flies, um, you know, we know that Creep doesn't really like that film, but um, man. It, it's okay. It is really worth seeing on a screen as large as I saw it on. It was fully scoped out, uh, the full-blown like 2.35 to 1 ratio or whatever that is, and um, the colors were really good. I don't know where they got the print from, but it started out with um, the British ratings board giving it an X rating before the film started. And despite the fact that they gave it an X rating, it was censored. Um, so I don't know if you remember the scene where the, the guy with the glasses gets 
you know, the killer beats him over the head with some kind of club and he spits back in the camera's face. That was censored out. Um, and a few other uh, violent scenes were censored out. But a couple of things that I thought was interesting that they censored for content, I don't know if they censored it just for running time, um, the scene where the maid goes to the park and she's waiting to get some money, uh, she's blackmailing the killer, and she's there and she's sitting for a while and she's watching everything and there's kids everywhere and then all of a sudden there's a, like a jump cut and the kids are gone and it's, all of a sudden it's dark and the music stops playing. Like, that whole section was completely missing from the film. Good. Um, I knew that was coming. And then the next... <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that section. I hate that part. The other section that was missing was the montage where uh, Rocio, the uh, private di uh, investigator, goes walking around uh, while you listen to the music in the background that the band is playing. And he's, you know, he's going to this place and that place and he's following the killer and uh, he ends up at the house um, and has this kind of like exchange with another kind of flamboyant guy and then all of a sudden um, the killer leaves and he follows her to the subway. So that whole section is all cut out as well. It's, it jumps right to him being on the subway and noticing that she's there and then him following her and getting killed in the bathroom stall. So good. That was... <laughs> but that was, was that a little weird? Just all of a sudden he's there and she's there? Well, I mean, not really. I guess partly because I already knew what was going to happen, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of that. I think, I mean, I've watched a couple of different cuts of Deep Red, and they did the same thing where in the Italian version of Deep Red, there's, there's a, a, a bunch of scenes that were only in Italian that they cut out, but there's also a few scenes where um, the the main protagonist is doing some, like, investigating where he goes from one place to the next and he asks questions and he does some searching and uh, for the US cuts they cut that out like they just figured it's you know either fluff that they put in or maybe just the the British and the US audiences didn't have the same attention span or something I don't know um, but at any rate it I, I seriously think that Argento's films are meant to be seen on the big screen and um, at this point now I've seen Four Flies and uh, Deep Red and Suspiria I think those are the three I've seen on the big screen. I don't think I've seen any other ones. Um, and I got a whole new appreciation for Four, Four Flies because it was it was really fun to watch. The way that he puts so many different things in the frame when he has uh, that scoping, that you know, that scope ratio, you really can't pick it apart as well on a small TV screen. You up on the up on a big movie screen, you kind of look over to the perimeters of the frame to see what's. What are all the other things that are happening? Like specifically, I can mention the scene where the credits are rolling and Roberto is walking through the park and the guy with the glasses is following him and a bunch of kids come out and they throw confetti uh, at the guy with the glasses. I don't know if you guys remember that part. Yeah. And um, I never knew this. The guy with the glasses actually grabs the kid by the shirt collar and pulls him back. And then he takes off his glasses and then they cut to the scene, which is a close up of him like blowing the confetti off of his glasses and the kid kind of giving him this weird look and running away. Um, I never noticed that part where the, the guy grabbed him by the shirt because you just couldn't see it, you know, finally saw it on the big screen. So I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you know, that's a film that was so hard to get at one point. It was like the long lost Argento film. Everything else had been released even on DVD and I think uh, either it was Paramount or some other major studio had the rights to Four Flies and weren't releasing it for a long time. And then it finally came out. So um, 
so I had a good time. And then, uh, like I said, I had a drink with Brian afterwards and headed back um, and got home, I don't know, somewhere around 2-something in the morning. It was crazy. <laughs> so he didn't try to get back to his hotel room after a few drinks? No, no. Well, I uh, I stopped that. I nipped that in the bud because I only had one. Okay. And you can't the, trust those internet people, you know. No, especially those from uh, Detroit. So. Right. Um, at any rate, um, uh, also, we should tell you that Brian himself um, had some reviews of the festival as well. So he sent me an email. Uh, I'll go through um, some of it. It's a little lengthy, um, but uh, hey, it's Monday. What else have we got to do? Um, Raw. <laughs> <laughs> You guys have DVRs, right? <clears throat> I don't even have cable. I'm just messing around with you guys. Hey, what's what's making you raw? Um, uh, Chris nipping it in the bud. Oh yeah. Uh, Your bud's raw. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to kind of finish up, um, I was trying to see if I could find uh, the guy who put the the show on um and i forget his name off the top of my head i had it written down somewhere um i had decided that if i did run into him i was gonna ask him a few questions about the festival um and we could play it on the show but um it was really packed and i didn't know what he looked like i sent him a um a message through facebook uh, earlier in the day but i'm sure he was pretty busy and didn't get a chance to respond so um if uh if he's listening for whatever reason and wants to kind of come on as a post uh, kind of festival recap type thing, we would certainly love to have him, I'm sure. So uh, we'd love to hear about specifically how he goes about finding these, uh, which ones he's picking. And, um, you know, uh, I guess I'm really what I'm most interested in is his opinion of, you know, what this audience is like compared to the audience that's that watched it when it first came out, that kind of thing. Kind of interesting discussion, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm really interested in The Prince and like the differences between them and stuff like that and how to get a hold of them and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and you know, because as I'm gonna read in, um, in Brian's email, um, the quality of The Prince was all over the, you know, all over the spectrum of quality, you know. Um, uh, I mean, just to get into it, basically, he says, the first night I caught Phenomena and all the colors of the dark. That was a Friday night. He said, I almost skipped Phenomena. I'm not a fan of the movie, but in hindsight, I'm glad I decided to watch it. It was the Creeper's Cut. So if you guys remember the Creeper's Cut, uh, if you've ever seen Phenomena, the original, or the, the Italian version, it's got a lot of extra scenes. And again, the same thing as with Four Flies. Just, you know, mood type stuff that probably didn't do anything to, to advance the plot, so it got cut out. Um, there were some jarring cuts made to the movie. Um, it was a riot to see with a nearly sold out audience. Most of the people in the audience were familiar with the movie and were laughing for its outrageous plot and dialogue. Um, and then he says, spoiler alert. Um, so I won't read the spoiler alert part. Because <laughs> we haven't covered that on here, so we, that's not fair game, really. Um, when the lights came up, people started leaving the theater. I overheard somebody say, that movie was bonkers. Um, <laughs> can you imagine? I was the only one that used to say that word. Can you imagine people thinking Creepers was bonkers compared to All the Colors of the Dark? <laughs> which was, oh, yeah. Which is the second oh, that was movie. next? Yeah, that was what came after that. Um, 
this was my first time seeing the film and I didn't know much about it. And the title came up. Oh, and this is this is one of the interesting things that I talked to Brian about. So I know we covered this when we did it on the show, but the, the US cut of this film is so different as far as the ending goes because they turned they turned it into uh, a non-jalo for the US um, audience. Basically, um, I think, if I remember correctly, there's a scene where um, the elevator gets stuck and the hero husband goes upstairs and then there's some sort of a scream or something and then she runs up to see what happened and it turns out that it's her and she'd stabbed him to death. And um, then she wakes up and she's in some sort of a psychiatric ward and the doctor that comes in is the Satan Satan guy and they bring her to the uh, the, wor the devil worshiping place and then they stab her and she dies. And then in the Italian version, she wakes up and it was, was all a dream and then they tie in all of the giallo elements like how these guys really weren't devil worshippers and she really wasn't hallucinating and they were like diamond thieves or something. But the US cut, she gets killed by the satanic cult and that's the end of the film. Um, they don't go any further wow. than that. So um, that was, I didn't even think that that was going to be um, something that they would show uh, in this Jalo festival. So that's, that's uh, pretty cool that they did it that way. Um, and we talked about um, the, the, the following night. And then the final night um, that he was there, he caught Tenebrae, Short Night of Glass Dolls, and The Psychic. So that was a pretty big triple feature. Um, Tenebrae was nearly sold out. Many people who had seen the movie before were bringing friends who had never seen it. Um, I even noticed a couple who brought their 10-year-old. Uh, oh, well. Anyway, um, another solid uh, print. I was kind of really hoping to see Tenebrae on the big screen. The audience was very vocal during the blood spray scene. So I guess they didn't have... You know, you guys know that the Tenebrae had that major edit where, you know, the axe comes through the window and chops off uh, the, the girl's arm and she sprays this fan of blood across the wall. That was originally cut from, I think, the American release. So I guess they must have gotten a European cut of the film. Um, I was reading something else. Oh, um, when the lights came up, many people were walking out trying to retrace the events that led up to the finale. I also heard some rather funny criticisms of the movie. For example, one man complained, how can he have a trick razor? He's not a magician. He's not a special effects coordinator. And then the other one was, if those damn... If those dream sequences are from the past, then why does that girl look like a hooker from the 80s? <laughs> um, and that's kind of like the stuff that we do on the, on the podcast, which is kind of funny. But everybody has that reaction to these films. Like, nobody really noticed that stuff when it first came out. But um, I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing some of Brian's email because um, I want to obviously move things along. Did he um, see Death Lays an Egg? No. No, he um, he was like me. He didn't make it to the theater in, in time to see Death Lays an Egg. So, um, and I, I don't know if he'd told me that he'd seen it before or not. But, um, and I think, oh yeah, and the last film was uh, that he. Oh no, next they showed Short Night of Glass Dolls. First time seeing that movie. Very impressed with the print that they had. Definitely the best print of the entire work uh, weekend. Almost completely perfect. Um, Subtitles, it was an Italian version and then re therefore required subtitles. 
and the color of the font all, often blended into the background, so that was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, finally, um, the last movie he saw was The Psychic. It was the Italian version. Um, he had seen the movie a couple of times. It's kind of a slow burn. Um, not necessarily the best movie to end a marathon with, um, but uh, unfortunately the film was badly damaged from scratches and dirt and was one of the worst prints of the bunch. So it was hard oh, to sit. It was hard to sit through, but the audience seemed to be satisfied with the ending. The ending was uh, that the ending to that film was pretty cool. So um, overall, this was a very pleasurable experience, and I'm glad I took the opportunity to see these films on the big screen. Um, sorry for the long uh, email, but I figured you guys would reference what you thought was worth mentioning on the podcast. So thanks for thank taking, you so much. Thanks for taking the time to read this and continuing to provide your listeners with hours of entertainment. So, uh, yeah, thanks. I'm continually amazed at like the responses that we've gotten from from uh, our listeners and then uh, other Giallo enthusiasts that come on board after hearing about us and sharing their experiences like that. So that's cool. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it was a it was a great time. I was glad to uh, to meet up with Brian, and um, you know, it, I I hope that uh, they decide to do something like this again and not wait like two, two to three years for it because um, I really now know how to get there. Like the first, <laughs> the first time I went, I decided to, like there's two ways to get into Manhattan. One is to go straight into Penn Station, which is 34th and 7th, which is right around Madison Square Garden. Um, and the other way to get in is to go into Newark and take the, what they call the PATH train into lower Manhattan. Basically you end up uh, in the business district where the World Trade Center area is and then you know you can take subways in various directions so the first year I went I said well it makes sense for me to go to Newark and take the PATH train because I'm gonna end up in lower Manhattan uh, and that was a complete mistake because I didn't know where I was going and I took the wrong train and I, uh, I got there in the nick of time um, so I hope they do another one because now I know exactly how to get there so I'm excited they'll change the theater yeah they'll put it somewhere else <laughs> Well, I think the guy who puts it on is um, a graduate of NYU Film School, and um, I think he, the Anthology Film Archives is a kind of a nonprofit film foundation in that area, and they're always showing films, but I don't think they ever show any kind of first-run stuff. It's all either archive stuff, older stuff, or like independent stuff, so uh, it's very cool. So that is my report, and... Um, uh, the only other thing that I have to report is that I was very lazy and I did not publish a Jalo score for the film that we were about to cover tonight. Um, Bastard. However, I have no idea how to tackle this now. Well, I have the score. It's unpublished, oh. but I can tell you what the score is. Um, and I well, think tell us what the fucking score is. By the time, uh, <laughs> by the time we get the podcast published to the podcast. Um, distribution mechanisms I will probably have it up on the site so it's probably not even worth mentioning so sorry oh my gosh well we don't want to spoil it we can't spoil the score the score's got to come at the end right I can tell you the score <laughs> oh, okay. just whisper it so um, that's me if you guys do you guys want to get into the film or um, oh my god <laughs> anybody want to talk about uh, well good night Chris thanks for joining us yeah thanks um, I mean, I know you guys want to talk about uh, 
somebody's RKO and and the four some kind of four what was Skipman. it four yeah. four poster bed or something yeah that's exactly no I want to know what the damn score for the movie is oh you really do okay like right now Death Walks at Midnight or should we uh, play the you, trailer first? If you want to wait till later, you could wait. But I just need to know that that's actually going to happen. Yeah, it'll happen. I have the number here. All right. We don't, I don't. I I couldn't find a trailer. So. <laughs> well, here's another question. I was goading you into it. Are we going to make people guess what score is on underneath us talking right now? Well, have we even figured it out? No, we haven't. Oh, okay. But I could just kind of make one up as I go. As long as you don't play the one from this actual film, then I'll be happy. Yeah, we don't have it. Well, I really like the score from this film. I'm on the fence. There, there was a little too much uh, boppity boop. Yeah, it was, it, it was really like, like, yeah, baby kind of music, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I like your Austin Powers. That was really good. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I can smell the sarcasm through the Skype. No way. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll we'll put a score on here, and no one will know what it is. Okay. And they'll have to guess. Did we ever um, tell people who what the film is of the two people who say "chow chow" at the beginning of the podcast? Nope. No one ever got it. Has Can anyone I try? figured it out? Yeah, try right now. Right now? Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> um. I think it's hysterical because every time I watch the movie that it comes from and then it happens, I get all excited. What is it? A Jalo? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like it's I thought maybe Western. I thought maybe you like uh, tried to pull a fast one and just yeah, you took some other Italian film. I have no I idea. Know. It's probably from Santino in WWE. It's a it's a. Uh, <laughs> It's a woman Italian who says wrestler. it's a woman who says chow first and then a man says chow. <clears throat> it's Bruno San Martino, isn't it, creep? That's exactly who it is. Hey uh chow chow, but the uh And he's talking to his chest here. Yep. Alright, so um here uh is not the trailer for this movie. So let's just start talking about it. Right. We can act out the trailer, couldn't we? Okay, ready? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shut you, up, you bitch. You the, uh, yeah, Shut you up. the Heath Ledger. Shut up, you I was, bitch. I was everybody. Dude, that... Seriously, when she swings the door open and hits that guy in the face, and he's like, bitch! <laughs> oh, that's my favorite part. <laughs> she calls and everybody a bastard, it. too. Yeah, me, too. I had to... You know, I've never rewound a giallo. Other than to like probably have it re-explain something, but this is the first time I did it for fun. So you've never like rewound something to fennec it a little bit? Oh, oh. Um, no, I, this is purely research, educational. No time for fun. Come on. All right. Fennec it. I do a lot of finecking when I'm watching her movies. You get finecked? Well, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah. She can't be the only one naked. It's a little colder up where I'm from. Oh, yeah. It's always hot where I'm at. Yeah. I gotta dig through my six layers of pants. 
gross. <laughs> yeah, get to my pajamas. I gotta get through my four layers of skin. Uh, <laughs> what a turn for the worst we have made. <laughs> so this what happens on to the show. Yeah, is this what happens on shows when people don't want to talk about the movie? I do want to talk about the movie. Oh. So, um, the movie we're talking about this evening is called Death Walks at Midnight. And uh, we're doing it to honor the late, great Luciano Ercoi, who uh, passed away recently. I think this one kind of snuck in on our poll to to be the movie of choice. Yes. Well. Yes, I think it was hovering close to the top, but we pushed it over in order to finish this trilogy out. did all of those things. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's our second trilogy, I think. Second and final, probably. (laughs) Damn it. I don't know. I oh. could pretend there's a bunch of other trilogies. We did We did have a suggestion on the group for um, Argento's bad, like, jolly, like the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which was, um, I think it was, like, Sleepless was the good, uh, the card player was the bad, and Giallo was the ugly. Um, like his post, what, I guess, post Phantom <laughs> of the Opera Giallos or something? And then there was another one where the guy didn't really sell the movies very good. He's like, yeah, this movie sucks, but th- this is also a trilogy. <laughs> so you guys should suffer through it. Oh, you know, there was one, um, They, if you consider the, the Solange being the first installment, and then I think What Have You Done to Your Daughters being a second one, I think there's probably a third one with uh, Fabio Testi, which is another schoolgirls kind of thing, so they consider that to be three to put together. Wasn't Hussar die in that? No. No. No, it was like How teen- did teenage. How you get away with saying testy? Teenage girl. Yeah, I know. I was waiting. Okay. Well, no, he he's just uh, a tall hunk of man. Oh. So we, we so could we could say testy as much as okay. we want. <laughs> he's legit. If you remember, he was um, on my soccer team. Yes. When we put that together. Right. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, World Cup. Yeah. So, So, this movie. um, Yeah. Let's, uh, do you want to, the synopsis from your book? It's not my book. It's Troy Howarth's book. (laughs) I mean, the book that you have in your hand right now. So Deadly, So Perverse, Volume 1, and Valentina a fashion model, agrees to participate in a study involving a, involving a new hallucinogenic drug. While experiencing the euphoric side effects of the drug, she witnesses a murder in the apartment across the street. Nobody believes that she really saw it, including her boyfriend, journalist Joe, spelled G-I-O, believe it or not. Valentina sets off to prove herself and in so doing, becomes a nuisance to the murderer, who is not only very real, but determined not to be tripped up because of her interference. Dot, dot, dot. Well, I got a couple things here right off the bat. Is it legit that Joe's her boyfriend? Because it seems like he's not really her boyfriend and he just told the cops that so they could get out of there because she was banging yeah. freaking Knight Rider. Stefano. <laughs> Stefano, yeah. Or Stefano. Yeah, he, I think he was doing her a solid. 
Yeah. Yeah, it probably was. And then wasn't the whole thing, though, that she didn't necessarily witness a murder, but she, like, remembered a murder? Originally, that's what they thought. But with the wrong people in it. Right. Well, yeah, because there were other fucking people standing right fucking next to her, <laughs> looking out the same fucking window, and they didn't fucking see anything. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, why would why is she the only one who saw it? Yeah, and even the guy who has, like, 80,000 exposures in his shitty little camera. <laughs> like, don't yeah. you think they would be coming after camera guy? Yeah, well, we. I mean, if you're going to start doing that sort of thing for... <laughs> The fact that the movie's not even like five minutes old at this point, um, you might as well just turn off the movie and stop the yeah, podcast. Yeah, better not go to any festivals. The reason why I left the movie on, like the 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 minute when I said, "Oh, this is gonna be awful. I'm gonna watch this whole thing right now." <laughs> she, they're like, "Here, let's put this blindfold on you so no one knows who you are." And she's like, "Okay," but she's sitting in front of a giant ass fucking picture of herself <laughs> in her house, right? Yeah, I was dying. I'm like, "Oh my god, that picture's as big as the fucking wall," and she's just gonna blindfold herself because even her mother won't recognize her with that on. Right? It's a fucking mm-hmm. blindfold. Oh my god, that was just class. What do you guys Can't think of What did you guys think of Susan Scott in this film? Um, I guess two points of, of critique. The first one being how did she look? The second one being what did you think of her <laughs> character? And uh, you know how different this character is than any of the other females that we've seen in the Giallos to come before. Well, I think right off the bat, one of the biggest differences was was the chick who did her dub was different. Yeah. And that fucking freaked me out the first time she opened her mouth. I was like, who's that large man yeah, talking out of her mouth? It kind of sounded like, well, and, and isn't she from Spain? Yes. So, and I think the voice was supposed to be a little bit Spanish. So. Yeah, it, it seemed to fit after a while, but right. it just didn't fit at first. Right, because you're not used to like the way someone that... grabbing a man's balls. Mm. She's like, hello, come on in. Do you have my money? Oh, bastard. My bastard. That it, it seemed a little deep. Um, but <laughs> I loved her apartment. I know that's not what we're talking about. It, it was a little too brown and white for me, but I liked the things that were in it. By the way, I totally had that fiber optic fountain look. I did light. too! I totally had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna fucking say that when I was a kid, I used to just turn it on and stare at it. Oh, I know it's and the greatest I'm, and thing. I'm sure they're like, oh, you know what? We could play the whole fucking title sequence. Just let that motherfucker run through its colors. Yeah, this ab- would be awesome. I could have watched the whole movie just looking at that. Oh, <laughs> those things are so badass. I bet I could find one at the Goodwill if I look hard enough. Yeah, I'm gonna try. I, to grab- I know I seem like the child of the group, but I definitely had one of those too. So it spanned into my generation. Oh, totally, totally. Did you guys ever have the um, the flicker bulbs when you were a kid? I don't know if you remember those. It was like a 7-Up can that was had a light bulb socket in the top of it. And yeah, I didn't have that. The light bulb was either uh, blue or red or green, and it had like the filament would flicker back and forth. It wouldn't just sit there. And as it warmed up, it would flicker back and forth faster. I had those too. No, that seems like a science experiment for science fair. It was like a 70s thing, I guess. Oh, and, that's weird. And the and the black velvet posters that would, <sighs> that would glow with the with the uh, the black light. Anyway, 
Anyway. No, but like seriously, like her furniture was tits. The all those like half dome lamps. I fucking love that. Like that was great. Now with her, she should never, ever, ever in a million fucking years wear another short ass fucking wig because it makes her look like a fucking odd looking boy. Yeah, I agree. But her Even hair was a. a uh... The silver tampons? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck was going on with that, dude. But it was just like, hey, I got this fucking stupid-ass wig. Can you make a scene in the movie where I could wear it? I love that the guy wears it right after her, so it's just like this community tampon wig. When he's walking by, you think it's her, and then you see her sitting there. Yeah, yeah, I like that What the fuck? And then he's like, hi! And you're like, oh... What a card. He, he called it something. Like when she walked out the door and forgot it, he said, Hey, yeah, you forgot the. Like Perpresbus or. <laughs> like it was like an art piece or yeah, something. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, when her hair was just like down and long, it looked amazing. Yeah, it looked mm-hmm. great. She looks very chic. But Especially... did you notice that when she walks, she bounces? Yeah. Like each step, there's like a ding ding. Like she like bounces on her toes with each step. So she's always fucking bouncing, and it looks kind of weird. And once you notice it, every time she walks, you want to stab her. (laughs) But then when she starts running, I don't know if it's because of her skirts, but her legs don't move back and forth. They, like, kind of, they oscillate. They swing out to the side from the (laughs) knee. And it's like, Christ. it's, no, seriously, she's like an upside-down military helicopter. Like, running down the cobbles you know she's it's bizarre and she kept running and i was like come on someone's got to say bitch you run like a fucking weirdo we gotta figure something else out here put her on a bike or something but it was like really awkward to watch so odd like she would start running and and it looked normal for the first two or three steps and then all of a sudden she would just get so off balance between holding her purse and her hair and the bounce and the shoes that she was wearing that like like once she got going it was just like no one could stop her (laughs) it was like (laughs) it looked like if if she had to run an extra 10 feet she would have fallen like right on her face i thought she was going to actually lift off Uh, and start like kind of floating with her would you have tried to stop her (laughs) would you just let her go i don't know you'd get involved in that oh fuck yeah (laughs) <laughs> I would say, what's going on with your knee sockets? They're yeah. hinge joints, not ball and socket joints. we got to fix this right now. We're taking you to an orthopedic surgeon. But um, I did actually, for all the odd polyester she had on, I did really like almost everything she wore. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about orange, but... I notice it in a lot of movies. Like, I go, oh, I really like that orange, blah, blah, blah. But that orange coat she had on in the cemetery, I was like, run, don't get blood on that. Like, that's <laughs> right. a nice looking coat. Like, I really liked it. Like, I don't know. It makes her hair pop. I wonder if that's what it is. It just yeah. looked great. I think someone murdered a baby out front. I was thinking it was tea time. Yeah. But I don't know. So, I mean, I really liked her wardrobe a lot. I liked her apartment. Um, So on those levels, that was enjoyable for me. As a 
Susan Scott herself as the actress, though, I feel like this being the third film she's done with her husband, I thought she kind of seemed to overact a bit more than usual. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was like the stardom getting to her head or something, but... Well, this was I mean, clearly I, I, like her movie. I mean, the very yeah. first movie, she was the friend. The second movie, she was kind of the main character, except she gets killed off halfway through the movie. Uh, but in this movie, she's like the, completely like the protagonist. She's the she's the heroine. She is not you know pun pun not intended, um, uh, you know. And she's she's not any sort she's of a, everything in this. Dude. Yeah, they follow her uh, through most of the film, and you know, I wouldn't say that every one of the female characters in these films <clears throat> are just helpless. Um, but most of them are, and she wasn't that. She wasn't that at all. She was like the opposite of, of helpless. Um, throwing that meat hammer around. Yeah, I mean, she. Every time somebody challenged her, and said that she was just some dizzy broad who took too much hallucinogenic drugs, and why should we trust her? She just came back with like another like you know, you bastard, or let me throw a rock through the window. But or, she would have like little moments because like when they were at the asylum. Like that guy was like grabbing on her, and then she like has a moment by the window and like cries, and then she's like, "Oh, I gotta take off." Right. You know, like <clears throat> there were a lot of little things like that, and it's almost like you don't know if it's because there were so many writers on the script, or if it was her improvising, not wanting to be weak. You know, so she would like kind of play into what the script told her to do, but then she's like, "I'm gonna kick it up a notch," or vice versa. Right. It, it, it's it is a very weird character. Yeah, a lot of it seemed to be kind of her portrayal of this character that she was reading. And she didn't show any of her uh, rock hard silicone hangers. Yeah, um, there was there was no boobs or any sort of nudity in this film at all, uh-uh. which is a shame for the Jallo score. So. <laughs> Did you get the dolls? Yeah. Okay. Um, another criticism right off the bat before I forget. This is the only movie I think I've ever seen in the history of the world that used Asian babies as production value. <laughs> and that was, like, disgusting. He's like, hey, what come look at this. Yeah. They're, they're Japanese. Yeah, like it was some sort of exhibit at the zoo or something. Yeah, and then tomorrow they're going to be in kimonos standing on tables. It'll be awesome. <laughs> was this like when Godzilla films were really popular in Italy? Wow. That... I don't know. I'm not trying to sound racist. That came off a little crass, sir, but I understand. That's all right. I'm just saying, <laughs> I think the culture was very, they were very fascinated by it or something. I think it was more of like the, hey, look at this, look what I got, that like just like made me feel dirty watching the movie all of a sudden. Right. You kind of hope that they would end up being a little more involved in the plot, maybe somewhere down the line to kind of give it some value, but no. And then you know they only had them there for like a day because the next scene, we're going on a plane to Switzerland tomorrow. <laughs> hey, later. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, I'm, I really just don't understand. I guess maybe it was it was supposed to um, take suspicion away from um, the main guy because he's like this. He's the uncle. He's the cool uncle. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like he's a wholesome oh, character. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel I mean, like I'd have to comb it. through it again for something. Although I think it makes it look even creepier that he was like, hey, look what I got. Like, that doesn't make him cool uncle. That makes him, like, creepy. Yeah. Like, what do you call that? What do you call that when you, like, are trading humans? Yeah, slave trader. Well, Skin trade. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. I thought there was, like, some sort of market. Human trafficking? Human trafficking. There That's we it. go. There trading go. that drug money for some Japanese girls. And that probably was what that was. Now that we're thinking about it. They're a little young for geishas, but, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't like eggs very much either. No, not the way he cooks them. <laughs> um, but what did you guys think about um, the scene? It was so tacky, but like where she gets fired, it like shows her walking <laughs> into the building, and then the camera pans up, and then you hear like, "Yeah, bitch, you're fired," and then the camera pans down. <laughs> that felt She's very old fashioned. All like shaking her fists, like Mary Tyler Moore. It totally yeah. did, dude. Yeah, it was totally. so weird. Huh. I kind of like. I dug. I dig things like that. I don't know if that was part of the writing or the script, but this whole script, I, I really got a kick out of, uh, just the fact you know the different lines that she would say. Um, being a product of bourgeois morality and <laughs> it was something that kind of caught my ear I was like what the hell yeah like what are you <laughs> talking about and then he repeated it yeah yeah. in case you missed it <laughs> I don't know if that yeah that door into the face was in the in the script or not or, but I don't think that guy would have said it to her face oh that little bitch <laughs> that was so freaking funny <laughs> um now this like uh as far as criticisms go, since we're kind of hitting that a little bit, um, the whole bit where <clears throat> when somebody... Hang on one second here, let me... I'm trying to mute. I, I had, I've, I'm getting over a horrible, horrible cold. And so I'm like coughing up all sorts of little rodents. Um, but anyway, um, sorry oh, to hear that. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate your your support and care. Um, I'm all out of medicine too, but that's okay. Um, no, the whole thing, you know, the trope where it's like, "Hey, someone's trying to kill me." Oh no, they're not, you stupid bitch. You're right. just kind of crazy. Yep. Like that got played so hard on this. Yeah. And then what was even weirder was when they were in the cemetery, she freaks out, she runs, and she's with uh, Veruca Salt or uh, <laughs> well, I don't know what her name is. It starts with a V. It's like Vaka Laka or something. Right. Vaka. And she says, look, they're trying to kill us. And freaking Butthole Face says, oh, you're crazy. No, they're not. Everything's fine. It was an accident. Like, especially, like, to have her do the exact same thing that everyone has been doing to her. Right. Just felt so weird. Yeah, I, like, I agree. That, that was a very strange thing that happened where it was like, well, how come she all of a sudden is being practical? Yeah. yeah. And then like, of course, the thing like with the, the, oh, sorry, Eric, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, you know, when I watch these films, I always try to rationalize things. So I was also that caught me off guard and I was trying to wonder if she was able to see her own craziness in this uh, Vervolica lady 
if she was finally coming around to it. And then, yeah, like you said, she just went back to the visions and yelling at everyone for not believing her, and which is kind of frustrating. Real quick, what did you say her name was? Uh, Borvalica. Is that what it is? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I was like, like, oh, let me hear it. It's like the Greek word for vampire or something. Oh, that was very knowledgeable of you, sir. You said something that kind of resembled it, so I went with it. Oh, I just, I can't remember. I remember it started with a V because she made a Verushka. Verushka. There it is. That sounds really nice. Verushka. Um, But then, like, the other thing I didn't understand was um, the guy from the newspaper is like, hey, they want to buy your story. They're going to give you 400000 for it. Cool. Let's dance. And then she never fucking goes to the newspaper to tell him anything. She keeps going to the cops that don't believe a fucking word she has to say. Yeah. Like, I didn't get any of that. I didn't understand what the... There were a lot of dead ends. Now, that cop, was that the same cop from... Uh, shit. Uh, Death Walks in High Heels? Yes. Okay. And he had a completely different... Um, completely different voice. In uh, in Death and High Heels, he kind of talked like this, you know, and uh, he had a completely different um, voice in this movie. I don't know what it is though, but oh, really... and you know what? The guy who played, you know, that 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 sinister guy who was always hanging around and telling her that she was in danger. That was the assistant. Scary McMilk bottle. He was the assistant. Um, in Death Walks in High Heels. He was like the... Shut the fuck up! He was the second guy to the uh, the main inspector dude. <laughs> oh my god! Right? Holy shit! Did Chris just rub you raw? Dude, I can't believe that. Like, Because like when I looked at him, like I don't know if you guys watched The Office, but it looked like the guy that came from Saber, the tall skinny guy, Oh, Gabe? Gabe. <laughs> it just yes. looked like Gabe the whole time. It looked like Gabe. <laughs> they should have had Gabe play that role. And what was the deal with the cats? Alive, but... He kept killing the cats? Oh. Is that the same guy? Yeah. Because I got him confused with the guy that she hitched the ride with, and that was putting the moves on her. Well, I didn't, didn't understand. Love, sh- I didn't love understand the, that was the a whole thing. other weird thing because he picked up a girl from a fucking sanitarium who was running out of the front of it. Yeah. Like, he just cruises by there every <clears> hour. <throat> that was just odd. <laughs> so it, yeah, it took me a while to catch up to that. You there, Chris? Yes. Okay. I... I uh-huh. Yeah, Go ahead. I, it, there was... There was some shit going on that it just, I don't know. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, again, when I watch these films, I watch them. And I think, you know, I I kind of preempted this whole podcast by saying that I needed to watch this twice. Um, I went through it the first time. And my history with the film is that I've watched the first say 15 minutes or so a few times and then never, you know, never made it through. Um, so I watched it all the way through concentrating on getting the score. And then, um, I, I was like, you know, I really don't understand what the fuck happened. So let me watch this again. And, uh, you know, when you start, okay. So you start off a, a giallo and it's typical giallo 
beginnings, which is, okay, we've got this event that happened. And we're going to take the rest of the entire movie to reconstruct the event and try to figure out what happened because there's a whole bunch of mystery and holes in the story. But in this particular case, the event was only witnessed by somebody who was on a hallucinogenic drug. So right away, they're kind of setting the pace or setting the tone of this is not going to make any sense. And we don't care that it doesn't make any sense because we have the fallback excuse of, you know, um, it all ties into the fact that it was an acid trip and acid trips don't make any sense. So, you know, um, every time, like you said, creep, every time she saw something and then all of a sudden it was like, well, you didn't see that. You're just crazy. Um, I felt like, I felt like this film is a hybrid between the first two where there was a lot of like the, the, the first film that Ercole directed was a lot of this kind of misdirection and um, unreliable narrator kind of stuff going on. Um, I saw this, but you really didn't see it, or maybe I can't, maybe I can't even believe what I saw because I'm going crazy and taking tranquilizers. Um, and then the second film was a little bit more straightforward detective, but uh, detective kind of thriller, but there was a, um, a few additional killings and there was a little bit more of a, of a uh, serial killer on the loose kind of thing. And this one's kind of putting them both together. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I don't know really exactly how I feel about the film now that I've watched it twice. There are definitely some parts that I like. And it's kind of like you watch the film um, and just follow this kind of crazy ride that, you know, centers around Valentina and her, her quest to try and figure out what the fuck's going on and, and get somebody to believe her. And then it all kind of comes together at the very end um, and it's kind of like it, it ushered in by you know the the appearance of these two guys from whatever country they were from Spain maybe one was from Germany and one was from the US oh, okay and the one guy looks like uh, the drummer from the Foo Fighters the guy the blonde guy <laughs> um, with the aviator shades on it was always laughing um, but yeah, once you got to that point in the movie, there wasn't much left. I think it was maybe 15 minutes or so, but um, I don't know. Like, I, the second time I watched it, I started to understand all of the misdirection and all of the kind of twists. Like, okay, so she saw a murder, but then they thought that the murder she saw was a repressed memory, and they equated that murder to a murder that happened six months ago. And then, you know, is this the girl? No, it wasn't a different girl. Is this the guy? No, it was a different guy. Um, but the one thing that was like, totally didn't make any sense was the idea that, you know, the blonde girl was killed with the fist, the armored fist, and then in order to revenge her death, the other girl was killed in the exact same manner by a different person. And I'm Especially by someone just making a phone call and telling them by disguising his voice by putting a napkin over the phone. And in the same place. Yeah, that was fucking just stupid. Right, so I mean... But what I will say, the scene where they're in the house and um, the guy in the white coat, the guy who is the killer of the one girl, right? when he pops out from behind the bush, and does like the little plot drop and then those other two guys come in and fight him and she's hiding 
like I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like so in. Like at that moment, like the movie became less about me poking fun at it and right. more about like me like on board. Like, oh my god, this could like <laughs> really get wild right now. And then when she jumps out the window, there's this great music cue. And yeah. like she jumps out the window and it's like it, it was just like so effing amazing. Yeah, that was a, a very cool scene. And I thought it was kind of interesting too that there was never really like cl- clearly there's a twist at the end and there's a person involved that that you don't that you didn't know from the beginning was involved, but most of the time they never had this, you know, here's this hidden identity of this person and you only see their hands or you only see the back of their frame. Yeah. They never they never really did that in this film. And the guy with the weird glasses and the white coat that we see originally in the vision, he's pretty creepy looking. Yeah. Like, especially with the glasses on. Um, is well, that what he looks? See, that's the funny thing, because he looks exactly like the lady that lived next door to me when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, they dressed the same, they had the same hair, she wore big fucking glasses like that. Yeah. And I was, like, really freaked out. Were you looking out your window? No, but it was just, like, one of those things where it was, like... Holy shit, that looks just like beep beep. I'm not gonna <laughs> put her out on the street now, yeah. but it was just shocking. I, you can say her name and I'll and I'll do it in post production if you want. Or just say Bruce Jenner. <laughs> we'll, we'll, okay, we'll call that woman that's a man Bruce Jenner. There you go. Right. There it is. But I had another point about that guy, and I can't remember what it is now. Sorry, I got excited. No, it's all right. Um, He's yeah. Again, he is pretty creepy looking. But um, oh, I know the scene where um, so it's Valentina and Joe, and they're sitting in. Uh, one of the things that annoyed me about the film was how many different times they sat and discussed what they think she saw, or what she really saw, or what really happened, or why is it that what she thinks she saw is wrong? Like they had that conversation like twenty times between yeah. between the her boyfriend between the reporter and between the the police officer but they're sitting it's an early scene they're sitting in a cafe and she looks out the window and she sees him and she's like it's the killer it's the killer let's go get him and they go chasing after him and they start playing this this kind of like funky organ music and they're running down the street of like really crowded you know street of people and he's in front of them and he's doing this kind of like shimmy and like he's got his hands and like, and his elbows at his sides, and he's kind of like shimmying, like, like at this kind of. I can't describe it any better than shimmying, but he's trying to run, but also, you know how you try to run, but you look like you're still walking so that you don't attract attention. Like, yeah. that's what he was doing. And if you watch it, it's just like it looks so weird. It's this odd guy with his hair and these glasses, and he's, and the music is going, and he's shimmying to the music, and they're chasing after him. It's just, it's, it's really funny. It's, it's not. I don't think that they intended it to be funny, but it ended up being funny. So, it was. I mean, just seeing that guy walking through a town, I think people would go, hey, that guy's very suspicious looking. Like, he was not the most conspicuous guy on the street. Right. And he just happened to be... In, oh, go ahead, Eric. In Milan, so... 
Anything goes. I was going to ask you guys, is this the first movie in Milan that we've done? Um, I, I think, think so. The first that they've called attention to, yeah. Yeah, there could have been another it's one. Fascinating. It's a great setting. It's cliffside roads and uh, those cool payphones. Yeah. Did you guys think the boyfriend that was in her apartment, um, the Knight Rider looking dude, did you guys think he was just like a total douchebag? He kind of had some charm for me. I, I don't know. He didn't come off as a douchebag to me. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of his, but um, the thing that I kept getting confused about was which house were they at? Yeah. Like, sometimes it was her, it was Valentina and this guy, and they were together, but it was at his house. Like, the end scene, I guess she goes to his house and then, and then waits, he smacks and, her. And waits for him. And then, yeah, and then he decides that he's going to throw her out and she leaves or I don't know. But like, and then, and then she, she, and she, she tripped back. She tripped over the phone cord on the way out. And uh, I thought that, I, th I thought we were at her house and I was like, oh, there's something wrong with her phone. And it was like, it was at his house instead. So I got that part confused. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah, I, I was okay with their apartments. He had a lot of weird wood sculptures laying around, and she had a jungle gym that you pointed out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Indoor uh, monkey bars. That was, like, the funniest thing I've ever seen. She's, like, trying to get his attention, and he's, like, doing twists or upside-down spins <laughs> or whatever the fuck that is. Well, that's why they're in such great shape. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. <sighs> oh, Boy. So are we gonna say who who the main baddie was? No. I think we've hinted at it, but yeah, we can Eric tell us. <laughs> There's a couple of them. I mean everyone's kinda a little bit guilty here and there of different things. Like you you mentioned Bruce Jenner was kind of involved with something uh that convoluted revenge killing sort of situation going on there and then he got done in pretty well and uh then it's revealed that stefano stefano knight rider is our killer but he's also involved with this german and this american uh who yeah they don't really have too many lines they just the the american doesn't talk and the german guy just giggles and laughs at everything and uh, stefano's part of this kind of drug ring with these guys and then it gets into the long, you know, the the famous long-winded yellow explanation motive of, well, he got on her good side because she had the perfect apartment, right? And uh, it all kind of spiraled from there. They got angry at one guy for trying to go off on his own and start his own cartel or something like that, hiding their drugs, stealing their money. <laughs> and uh, it it the just the more seemed... he talked, the more backwards the whole thing sounded right yeah. right like, yeah it's, digging this is one thing that, that kind of bugged me about this movie and maybe why it, um i'll just come out and say that it's the one i find the weakest of the three Ercoli movies that we watched just because i feel like this was the one he wanted to make his grandest uh, as far as having this mystery and writing backwards from it 
Right. And uh, whereas most Jolly films, it seems like they have the set pieces already in place and then they kind of write around those instead of the other way around. And he's really focused on getting this mystery and then burying it in all these different layers. And uh, it just got to be a little too overcomplicated for my taste. And I didn't buy really Stefano's motive by the end of it just because of how hidden it seemed to be throughout the whole film. I don't know how you guys felt See, felt the, about the reveal. When I watched it, like I was like kind of shocked by everything that had happened real quick. And so I assumed that the lady that lived next door to me killed the girls. <laughs> and that girl just happened to be like a big drug pusher. So the guys came to kill that guy because they killed one of their people and they were going to frame her for some fucking reason. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then I watched the ending again and I was like, oh, this is way more confusing than I thought it was. I think I actually started to write that down to kind of explain it in my head as I was going on and I had to go and delete everything because I was way off. Because that is the direction it seemed like they're going. Like this was a big frame job. Right. And it didn't turn out to be that way at all. But it still led to a pretty fun climax at the top of the the building and what the hell was that big bag of white powder that was just <laughs> open on the roof it was like for something right like a oh probably i don't know but he some kind of masonry like thing. joker dude it was awesome i know that uh that was he wearing an ascot or some kind of large tie yeah he in was the, just in the tight vest crazy yeah that was great and then it was funny the funniest bit was like He's like, oh, I got a bunch of shit on my face. <laughs> yeah, you guys handle it. I'm going to sit over here and rub my eyes for about five minutes. <laughs> it's fine. I'll be okay. I'll let you know when some, I'm back. Probably got some powder burns or something. And it almost pisses me off that, like, when he finally got his eyes all ready to go and was about to throw his knives, the uh-huh. fucking shittiest cop in the galaxy all of a sudden shows up and shoots somebody <laughs> like, yep, I did my job. Like a hundred yards away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good lord. Nice shot, buddy. That 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 happened twice, didn't it? It's like the guy raised his hand and then boom, bullet hole through the chest. Well, yeah, because freaking butthole face shot fucking Knight Rider. Yeah. It's like, okay, we get the <laughs> you're kinda overdoing it here, pal. Well, and then that whole bit like where he's like, Hey, I'm gonna open this door and break this glass over your head really slowly. That was very choreographed, yes. <laughs> yeah. But now, I guess the question is, who... So we know that um, Creep's next-door neighbor killed the woman in the... The brunette woman in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, And now the other people that got killed were um, the blonde girl's sister, who was the one who took Valentina to the nut house. She got killed. And then... um, her husband, the guy who was a doctor who walked on the crutches, he got killed, right? Yeah. And yeah. who did, did did the guy who looks like Creep's neighbor, did he kill anybody besides that one girl at the beginning? Or don't we know for sure? I don't think he did. Because he came, at one point he's in the house and he's like, she saw me and that's why I have to kill her and that's why I have to kill you too. Yeah. So, and then eventually he gets killed as well, but... <clears throat> yeah, I think he was gonna kill her and the other chick. 
but um, the uh, international drug lords kind of got in the way of all that. Because mm. I don't think he had any idea about the drugs. It was no, just a, a... like a love triangle gone shit or something. But the doctor had something to do with the drugs, right? Yeah, they kind of alluded to that. But I think it was probably just a mis- for yeah, misdirection. Yeah, because Knight Rider said he shot him in his little speech. Right. I think you just need to sit down with your neighbor and uh, get her to explain everything that happened. Yeah. And dude, he looks weird when he's dead. Yeah. Laying on the couch. Well, he looks <clears> totally <throat> different terrible. without the glasses. If you look at the in the photo album, <laughs> there's a picture of him with the girl, and it's like, dude, he he looks more like you know my uncle Stefano from you know my Italian side of the family than some wacky murderer, dude. Uh, the glasses really changed the way that he looked. Pretty, were those the bejeweled ones? It's it's the glasses and the giant metal spiked glove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys notice the glove on the wall in the asylum? Yes. Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? Like, do you normally have torture devices? Oh, they do. Yeah. Because in hotel, um, yeah, we know where they have it. Whatever. Yeah. The slaughter, slaughter hotel. hotel. Slaughter hotel. That's right. <laughs> they have whole coat of arms in that one. <laughs> That must Axes, just be like an Italian thing, dude. Flails. Yeah, because yeah, that was odd. definitely that. I mean, right away when you saw it, you kind of thought like Bava, some kind of torture, medieval torture device. Yeah. And sure enough, it seems like that's possibly where that weapon came from, which anything, everything you could say about this movie, it probably has one of the coolest weapons. It, it doesn't seem very practical, but it's cool no, as not, shit. It's not practical at it's all. Practical. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised that they they went as far with it as they did because I was thinking you know these types of films that Ercole does it's not as gory and as we mentioned not as sexy but there's that one shot they showed it going in and some chunks coming out of the head and yeah it seemed like they yeah it seemed like they had to up that because they didn't show it um, Susan Scott's boobs at all yeah. and then every time he like punched at the screen like they squirted blood at it. Yep. Yeah, I thought, I thought that's as far as they were going to go, and I was like, all right, this is cheesy. <laughs> well, the, they, no, there was the one scene where they they cut to the fist that was actually against the head, and then when he pulled the fist back out, the blood squirted on the screen, too. That was Yeah, that one. was awesome. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was awesome. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, <clears throat> another very odd little thing that I just noticed is that on the Wikipedia page for this film um, I went down to the bottom and it says this page was last modified on March 19th, 2015 so thank you whoever modified this page for us Yeah, that was very nice of you 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 can probably click in to see the um, what, what what got revised, right? I would think. How do you do that? That seems very complicated, sir. <laughs> we don't have time for that right now. Well, I'll do it later. <laughs> After I modify it here real quick. One second. Eric's going to put, even though the story makes absolutely no sense, and she wasn't on LSD, she was on HES or yeah, HDS. HDS, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, whatever. All right. So, um, as far as the score goes, this film did really, really well on the Jalo score. Um, and I gave a uh, there was a couple of places where I was a little lenient. I made oh, some, I made it. some stretches. Like for example, uh, the killer wears black gloves. There's a scene. I think the scene is. Uh, when the black gloves come out and use a knife to cut the rope to drop the statue on the two girls. Yep. I think there's black gloves there. And of course, you know, at the end, all three of those guys are wearing black gloves. So um, it's typically supposed to be that the black gloves is the identity of this hidden person. It's like the representation of the person that you're not allowed to tell who it is. Um, so it's a little bit of a stretch to see, you know, the black gloves on all three of those guys. But um, it's such a cool visual um, with Valentina with the noose around her neck and the black glove over her mouth. Um, it's like such a, a very iconic Jalo kind of shot. Um, so I had to give it to them for that. Um, Valentina is definitely an amateur detective for sure. We know yeah. that. Um, there's definitely a mistaken identity thing going on there. There's definitely more than one killer or an accomplice involved. Uh, it's definitely an urban location. There's more than three suspects. Um, and you barely get to see a J and B bottle. Now, yeah, there was a J and B bottle at one point, and there's so many she mentions had two in her apartment. <laughs> and he ordered it twice. And the yep. last time he ordered it, he ordered a triple. He ordered a triple. Yeah. That's right. Good <laughs> effing problem. lord. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five. That was great. So 10 points for the signatures, a full 10 points. So um, let's see what the final score comes out to be. I think it's an 84. Let me double check. This should definitely beat out Deep Red. That's all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no, we, so we got an 83. Um, and we haven't, we haven't had a film to score in the 80s on the Jalo score since, let's see 1902 <laughs> I'm going to just quickly scan through here the last film that scored above 80 was Seven Bloodstained Orchids with an 84 which we haven't covered on this show we have not uh, Deep Red and Strip Nude for Your Killer. Hell yeah. So everything after that has been either in the 70s or the 60s. So, And then as far as um, as far as Ercole is concerned, um, Forbidden Photos got a 77. Death Walks on High Heels got a 78. And so this is a major step up. And it's, and it's interesting to me, at least, that the more classic uh, the film, like the, the more, uh, the higher the score, the more it uses um, the normal tropes of the genre. And you can see that um, Arcoli was trying to make a film that, at least as far as the score is concerned, appealed to the, the masses at that time. You know, the Forbidden Photos was a little bit more you know, um, uh, not obscure, uh, unconventional. Uh, Death Walks on High Heels, I think, 
I still don't know which one is I like the most, but I think I like that one the best. The high heels Definitely one. The high heels. It's got the most. It's probably the most interesting. It's a. It's got the, like Forbidden Photos is visually just stunning, but it's really slow. Uh, Death Walks on Heels, High Heels doesn't have that that stylistic stuff like Forbidden Photos does, but it's got a lot of fun stuff going on. So, and then in, in this film. Um, there, there are a few funny things going on, but I think it's more, I don't know. Did you guys find it kind of a chore to watch? or It wasn't a chore at all for me, but that kind of goes without saying, I guess. These are never chores, actually. Yeah, you're right, Creep. Well, no, there have been some chores. Oh. Yeah. There have been four flies of chores. <laughs> well... No. You haven't seen it on the big screen. Man. I know. No, but oh, seriously, I'm probably like the worst person on earth because like the two movies we've done that I've liked the least have been Four Flies and um, House of the Laughing Windows. So hmm. people can send me pipe bombs <laughs> to my PO box whenever you feel like it. And, but... and, and meanwhile, your favorite ones have been uh, Eyeball, Strip Nude for Your Killer, and um, Sister of Ursula. I knew you were gonna say Sister Ursula, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> and and Eyeball and Strip Nude are they're good all films. tracks, dude. And and here's the other thing: as the more I think about these films and in going to the theater and getting the theater experience, the more and more I think that um, the case of the Bloody Iris is definitely one of the best giallos as far as its entertainment value is concerned because it has everything that you want. Yeah, film. It's got, it's got the locations. It's got the killer. It's got the suspense scenes. It's got the hot girls. It's got the cool music. It's got the silly, you know, um, you know, comic relief kind of thing it's going got on. George Richard. Yeah, and it's a, a decent detective kind of thing going on too. So, yeah, yeah it. I think that um, one of the things I I'm scared about when it, when it comes to this genre is that the more and more um, we dive deeper into the obscure titles that we haven't gone near yet, um, the films are just going to get worse and worse, I think. I don't I, know, man. I, 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 I think there's some gems in there. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, we, we, cl we clearly have a few classic ones that we haven't done yet. We haven't done uh, Don't Torture a Duckling, which we need to consider. Miss Ward, soon. Deep Red... Yeah, Miss Ethos for the last two we ever do. Mrs. Ward, definitely. Case of the Scorpion's Tail, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and some of the other uh, early um, Lenzi films we haven't covered at all. We did Knife of Ice, but that wasn't really an early one. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's Good no times. there's no shortage of material, that's for sure. But I just yeah. keep I keep getting the feeling that um, the ones that be, the the ones that have the most notoriety, what 30, 40 years later, are probably the ones that hold up, um, and the ones that you have to kind of search for. Maybe there's some hidden gems, but maybe some of them are just you know copycats or see like a well, film the film like uh, the bloodstained butterfly for example i've heard that that's a really good film but um the version that i've seen uh was really a bad transfer so i i just couldn't watch it because it was hard to concentrate on i think it was subtitled as well so it was like imagine a, a film that may not be good anyway 
um, that's hard to watch visually because the print is so bad and you also have to follow the subtitles. So, you know, I, I think that may be part of the problems that we run into with some of these as we get more and more into them is that uh, they're hard to find or they're just hard to watch because they're in the, the condition that they're in. So, but who knows? Nice. Interesting. For sure. Well, I'm excited. Me too. <laughs> so next time on this lovely show, we are um, doing which film? Do we, do we have an updated tally? We do. Well, actually, yeah, I can go take a look. And I think uh, Chris's discussion right then is kind of a good plug to get people to our uh, Facebook group to check out the poll that we have there because we're doing uh, all listener voted uh, choices here for the foreseeable future and uh i think right now as you can see i'm stalling for time here but you're doing a great job with your cta right now by the way I'm very proud of you <laughs> thank you uh, yeah right now red queen kills seven times has taken the lead in a tight tight race with opera so we'll get to see one of those kind of, I mean, opera, more well-known Dario Argento and Red Queen Kills Seven Times is going to be one of those that's not, I guess, as far as I know, not as heavily seen, but perhaps uh, it will be a, one of those diamonds. Uh, hopefully we can find it and hopefully our listeners can find it rather easily. You're talking about yes. Red Queen? is definitely not a diamond. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Uh, Artie Pooper. I, I well, no, I have to watch it again. It didn't sit well with me when I scored it for the site, so maybe it'll, maybe I'll have a better opinion of it. But so, are we saying that hey, guys, go to the site and keep voting because we haven't decided which which one's going to be yet? I think so. Yeah, I think we just because there's operas up there. I think operas probably. Oh, so you guys are saying that we should like leave it up for everybody right now? I think so. <clears throat> you guys are breaking all the rules. This is crazy. I, I'm. Well, I just mean okay. We'll we'll do opera after this one. No, opera's losing. I mean no after Red Queen. Well, I'm we'll, doing this in order, we'll do... but there's there's like a three way tie for sec or for third place and a th five way tie for fourth. So it, we just need to get some of those broken. I think. This is this is some hot sex right here. I'm excited. <sighs> three way. Okay, so are we really doing Red Queen or no? Yes. Okay, so we are. We are. And then next time, we're going to be recording an episode in the past for you right. to listen to in the future. <laughs> so it'll <laughs> be fun. magic. All right. That's um, it's that's too hard for my head to be to wrap around right now at ten thirty yeah. at night. <clears throat> Maybe for our foreign listeners, time travel isn't so foreign because... They're already in the future. They're already listening to us in the past from the future. Yeah. You guys are in the future for me. That's How true. Do you think that makes me feel? Yeah, man. I already know what happened at the end of Monday Night Raw. Oh, you're such a dick. All right. I wish I could give you, like... Bringing it full circle. <laughs> wish I could give you, like, the lottery numbers and have... Yeah. Let's play some lottery. Powerball. Yeah. Yeah, so, we're all those guys in Australia. How come they're not giving us Powerball numbers? Yeah, it's fucked up. Man. They have that there, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. 
So, so, we, so we'll leave you with the trailer for Red Queen Kill Seven Times then. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. All right. So until next time, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. ciao, ciao. Oh, Eric. What happened? I thought we were going to all three do it. Oh, okay. Oh. We can do that. Let, let, let's all chow together. And if you guys could tell me where the chow chow at the beginning of the show comes from, Chris will send you a present. I will. I'll send you a, a future as well. All right. So, ready? Here we go. How do you count to three in Italian? You're just supposed to say, until t- next time, everybody. Okay. So we all clap. And then we say, ciao, ciao at the same time. Okay. Until next time, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> Fucking assholes. <laughs> way too fast, Chris. <laughs> He doesn't want to say it together. That's just being a jerk. Okay. Wow. This is Chris' show, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I do so need yeah, a drink. I guess I've, that's t- I've talked show. way too much. <laughs> that too. All right, here we go. For the trailer. Hooray. Here it comes. Was that legit? No. It's another one of those trailers with no words. But did Eric do that? Or was that... It was me and then Eric. You're supposed to say it five more times after that. Wow. That was good. Oh, no, that's Candyman.